Welcome to the Hope Sheds Light Rise with Hope podcast. I'm Pam. This season, I hope you join us for the Recovery Speak series. Each month, my guest and I will take a deep dive into the topic of recovery. We hear a lot about addiction, but in the Recovery Speak series, we will learn what recovery is, what it looks like, how it shows up in our communities, families, and friends. We will take a special look at how stigma can stand in the way of hope and healing and what some people are doing to overcome that. Please join us as we tackle the real issues, share actual experiences, offer a little strength, and provide a whole lot of hope. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Rise With Hope podcast. I'm Pam, the CEO at Hope Sheds Late. I want to thank you all for listening um, while we try to lower the stigma and raise awareness about uh, recovery and all its possibilities. Today, I'll be speaking with um, Sergeant Melissa Rose from the Ocean County uh, Prosecutor's Office. I'm so thrilled that she's agreed to join us today. She's an incredible human being, totally invested in the community and invested in you know really delivering resources and supports to everybody. So welcome, Sergeant Melissa Rose. How are you today? Good, Pam. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited, actually. I was nervous and now I'm excited. Good. Um, I want to, you know, just start out by asking you a little bit about your role at the prosecutor's office, because some people are still um, either put off or unsure or unclear about law enforcement's role and in community work. And, you know, and I know that you're entrenched in that. So if you can just describe for us a little bit about what you do at the prosecutor's office, that would be helpful. Yeah. So um, right now I am the supervisor of the special offenders unit, and it is a new unit. And it's with the vision of doing more for the community. So um, it kind of was developed just before I came to the unit. And I've been fortunate enough to just be part of it growing. Um, So I'm very grateful for that. So the special offenders unit is comprised of so many different aspects. There's so many prongs that go with the special offenders unit. But for today's purposes, um, we have diversion programs that assist um, our community with, you know, not everybody needs to go to jail for um, what, you know, they've gotten themselves involved with. What we really realize is that there's sometimes an underlining issue and it's the addiction and it's the unresolved addiction and it's the failure to receive the proper services. And these people are going in a circle, a roundabout circle, you know, with the same issues. So what we've tried to do is uh, zone in on that. And we've offered this Trident program with an Operation Helping Hand grant. And it allows us to look through these courts calendars and realize, you know, our kind of the repeat people that really, really what they need is help. So we offer that to them. Um, and then we've also added on the first step program through the same Operation Helping Hand grant. And it allows social service workers to go out with officers to work hand in hand for that Narcan reversal response and give help to the family too, because um, it's obviously the person that has overdosed, but it's that parent that maybe has seen it for the second or third time or the spouse that is traumatized by not knowing what else they can do. So we want to help them as well. How is that for you guys to be pairing up with a human service or you know, social worker to go out and do your job? Uh, that's a, a bit of a hot topic right now. So how is that working for you guys? It is. And I, you know, I wouldn't shy away from there are plenty of officers that don't want to be asked to be the social workers. 
um, which I think in this instance, it can't be any better than that, right? An officer gets to be the officer and respond and then work alongside the social worker. And we're just really grateful for um, providers like Ocean Mental Health who have made it easy to make this linkage available. Um, they're very easy to work with and they've began, begun to understand our role. And I think for me, I can tell you in the last year, I've been more understanding of their role. I've been a police officer for 17 years. And it's not until the last year that I could say that um, I see the end result is the same for both of us. What we all want, right, is to make a difference in the community. Um, mm -hmm. And for us, it's always been from that law enforcement perspective. And from them, it's been the social service perspective. And I think this last year, I've realized how doing it together can be beneficial. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, for people with a substance use disorder, so many times, part of their disease and how it manifests includes, you know, criminal activity. Uh, and, you know, you hear people who like are squarely on the side that say, well, we shouldn't be uh, criminalizing addiction and disease um, disorders and activities. And then you hear people who are like, well, they're breaking the law. And so we, so it's, but what I hear from you right now, and which is wonderful is that it's not either or. It's both. And so you are very innovatively bringing together both fields to sort of address something that collides, uh, you know, or meets through addiction. Yeah. So the whole process is not a cookie cutter process. It's not a one size fits all. And, you know, I'd be remiss to say that not everybody that goes into the program gets a free pass. You have to really do the work. We're giving an opportunity to people, but I want people to know too that they also have to do the work and they really have to show that they have done in that year a good turnaround in recovery, you know, and that's where we rely on our providers and social services and um, groups like Hope Sheds Light where we can resource out the family and there'll be like a holistic approach to getting everything about their life and their surrounding life in place to avoid them coming back into the criminal justice system. Right, and the same is true on our end. We have to, you know, in the, on the human service hat side of things, it would be, um, I think, short-sighted of us to not recognize that oftentimes it's having law enforcement involvement that can leverage a person's motivation to comply with programs long enough for, you know, for them to kind of start to heal and their brains to, you know, start to stabilize. And then they're able to begin to make some healthier decisions on their own. But oftentimes we need the law enforcement piece to generate like an external motivation for, for the individual. So it's so nice that, you know, we can both recognize where we need each other in this picture. Absolutely. Um, uh, so I, I'm curious through, how long have you been doing this now? Well, I've been at the prosecutor's office for 17 years, but this month marks a year that I've been committed to outreach and our diversion programs and also out being out in the community, educating them on our programs. Were you just assigned to the diversion program or was it something you wanted to get involved with? So for, well, let's say 16 of my years, I was in an investigative role, very much out doing things out in the streets, doing things, whether it was um, sex crimes or a street crime unit. Um, and I was ready for a change. Um, so this was just a real a blessing in disguise. If I would have known the pure joy and satisfaction, I may have, you know, made a change sooner. Um, but I enjoyed all my time. I enjoyed all my time out there. I can't say I didn't. But what a blessing, what a blessing in disguise, um, a huge growing process for myself as well, the change in mindset, 
Um, I was definitely in a fixed mindset as a law enforcement officer for so long. Um, and this has allowed me to have a growth mindset, see things from another perspective. So I'm really grateful for that too. It's a, it's been a personal growth for me as well. So I'm going to just maybe drill in a little bit there, if you don't mind, just so I love that you say it's a shift. Can you give me an example or is there a situation without disclosing, you know, anything confidential that where you can say, yeah, that's was an eye opener and that kind of started your journey. And, and, and what do you mean when you say shift, like sure. it, how it relates? Well, I touched on it briefly before. I mean, I can tell you that in my previous roles, when I needed to work with uh, an agency, a social service agency, I'm not going to even pinpoint, right? There's so many, there's, mm-hmm. there's ones that deal with children, adults, juveniles, whatever it was. Um, you know, we just had a different approach and I'm sure they felt like we felt we were both getting each other's way maybe, or just non-understanding of the, of the approach, you know, mm-hmm. being kind of maybe judgmental or, uh, well, I don't really know what kind of help they're going to have. They're in my way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can say in this last year, um, working with OMH, for example, um, we have to talk to each other about programs or outreach and just the ongoing collaboration. I have seen not through one specific incident, but over time, how the end result is always been the same, but I was never in a position to notice. Maybe I probably had every opportunity to notice, right. And take responsibility to notice, but I can tell you that I just didn't notice. I, I own that. I didn't notice. And being in this role, it's like, wow, this whole time <laughs> we really do want to get to the end, uh, the finish line. Right. Just we go there about it differently. Um, but the heart and the intention to get to the finish line with the best results is really, it's honestly the same. So, so for, um, for you, the finish line, what does that look like? helping people. And it could be in a different sense. I spent a lot of years in sex crimes and it was um, preventing these children from being continuously abused um, Mm -hmm. physically, sexually. So it was doing my job to make sure that both the children were safe and that I would do my job as a detective to make sure that person could never do it again. Right. So I had to be, I had a more, I don't say stone cold, but I had a more direct I had an objective and social service groups that work with us, you know, they had a different objective. They had to make sure uh, day-to-day life for them was okay. And I had to stay on mission. So um, those changes, those changes were now I can see, we really wanted the same thing. We wanted that kid safe. <laughs> we wanted that kid never to be abused, right? We wanted that person to never abuse any other, any other child. So it's always about keeping somebody safe. Um, and in this instance, it's sometimes it's keeping people safe from themselves. Um, and that's what's changed in this um, unit in this direction that I'm going is that people need to almost realize that they have the potential to, sell, to help themselves. And we want to make them realize that, show them that, help them in that. So I was maybe helping other kids that couldn't help themselves. Uh, and now I'm helping adults realize that they can help themselves. <clears throat> it's nice because what I'm hearing, like from my lens, addiction and substance use disorder, so it's so uh, it infiltrates every aspect of a person's life. There's no like one way method of helping somebody find their way to helping themselves. So you, it sounds like every you recognize that we all have the same goal. Yes. Our methods might be different, and we need various methods to get to that same goal. One method isn't going to work, and and now we're having you know seemingly multiple methods at the same time, really all striving toward, towards that same goal. I I wonder. Um, 
I don't know if you have a personal connection to the field, but we I do generally as part of this um, podcast in our efforts to kind of lower the stigma, allow uh, time for somebody to maybe talk a little bit about if it, you know everyone knows somebody, right? So um, for the world out there who's listening to understand how pervasive this is and how uh, and you know it's in your neighbor's house, it's in your house, it's in your kid's school. And embracing uh, the position of being helpful and non-judgmental can really go a long way for everybody if we can get there as, as a society. So I don't know if you have a personal connection that you're comfortable talking about, but we would love to hear it if you do. So my uncle, my mother's only brother, they're one of five, he was the only boy. Um, he was an alcoholic and it affected the family for many years, you know, um, hesitation for inviting him to the family gatherings, you know, how, how that would turn out, um, or just the worry it put on everybody and my grandparents at the time. Um, my uncle ultimately, because of his alcoholism, he had liver failure, heart issues, and he, he died of a heart attack. Um, he had a four-year-old little boy at the time. I think he was four. Um, my mom wound up being his guardian. My mom wound up raising him. He wound up being my little brother. So I saw, you know, what he went through growing up without his father. And as much as my mom and my dad had raised him to have that uh, family unit, you know, he knew things were different. Um, So I have had a taste of how it can destroy a family, how it can affect the children, right? How can it it affect my grandparents? I don't think my grandparents have ever, ever recovered from that. So it can affect the extended family. So the fact that I am all these years later in a position to help a family in that same just substance use disorder um, is pretty interesting, pretty amazing. I would have never thought that. Um, But my family has seen the destruction that it causes. Do you, I mean, that's beautiful that you have made the connection that you've almost come full circle, right? From your personal experience to your, you can bring that into your professional life with a little um, humility and sensitivity to to the families that you're working with. I find that that helps. I mean, our agency is all, we're not clinical. We work really well with Ocean Mental Health as well. Um, But everything that we do is from that pure perspective. It's people who are willing to share their personal stories as a way to reach out to and connect with other people who maybe aren't so ready to accept what they're going through, you know, internally or externally. So I, I don't know um, if this has shifted you on a personal level, the same way it's shifted you on a professional level um, at all. If your understanding or compassion level has shifted in any way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, I, I was, I recently did a project. Um, I hate to keep on saying ocean mental health, but like, I really love them. (laughs) Yeah. So I recently had a project and, um, they're putting an event together to show the difference of the perspectives of social workers and law enforcement officers. Um, and in my interview, I definitely said, you know, I, my mindset has changed. Like I, like I mentioned earlier, and a lot of it is more empathy. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, uh, sensitive person. I mean, I, I can cry at a fabric softener commercial. Like it's literally like I, I'm sensitive. I'm a, I'm a crier. Right. But when I'm on work, when I'm at work, um, my passion and my desire to 
save a person and save a child. It's like, it's a switch. It's just a complete focus to get my job done. And as much as it can be emotional and sensitive, I would be ineffective if I was crying all the time. I would have to pick myself up off the floor and have nothing to give to that next person because crime doesn't stop. Addiction doesn't stop. Uh, victimization doesn't, you know, it, it's ongoing, right? I'm not going to have one person. I can't fall apart. I have to stay on track. So um, I was very much in the zone and I can't say that I'm not in the zone, but I've allowed myself to be more empathetic. I've allowed myself uh, not fall apart. I can't be a puddle, right? I'm, what would I be? But I've allowed myself to be more open about, you know, being empathetic or just um, more sensitive and not being so direct. So uh, I have to stay on task. Right. I think I feel, I think I feel more vulnerable in that area now because I see there's a benefit to that and it really helps me engage, especially during community outreach. Um, So that's, thank you for sharing that too, because that in and of itself, that share is vulnerable share. So I, I appreciate that. I, I wonder, um, we're almost done. I just want to, what, what's your message about or your understanding of recovery now that you're doing this? I know sometimes the world only sees substance use disorder through the lens of active addiction in the media and, you know, the newspaper and radio. We're always hearing about the arrests and the deaths. Um, we don't hear so much about recovery and I don't know if your work over the last couple of years in this program has opened your eyes at all to what recovery looks like and whether or not you have a different sense about the possibility or probability that somebody can recover. So my mind has been more open to that. Recovery is not if you fail, you're over and, um, well, I knew you weren't going to make it anyway. You know, like what Mm -hmm. I've realized is that recovery is different for everybody and that it's not two strikes and you're out. It can take a couple of times around without judgment. Um, So there's somebody in one of our programs who had um, not done well and she came back and early on in my involvement in this unit, I realized that they gave the person a second chance. And I thought, huh, yeah, that, that's, that wasn't my mindset, right? That wasn't my mindset. And this person is now graduating, is now a mom, and is now doing great. And what that did for me was pretty crazy because it's not crazy, really. It's, it's not. It's, it's great. It's phenomenal. But it's not what I thought it was. It can be different for everybody, and it could take them a couple times. And just a little bit of understanding and patience can go a long way without judgment. Well, I mean, we should probably just put the period there. It's great because I want to remind our audience that I'm speaking to Sergeant Melissa Rose in the prosecutor's office, who's, you know, um, shifting in her perspective and still holding the line. You know, it's it's a complicated position to be in. And I just hear your openness and willingness to stay in it and stay open and and grow. And that to me is what's going to change have you know create the change that we're looking for so um thank you for being so honest about everything that you're going through i you know we started the podcast as an outgrowth of um covid and being shut down during the pandemic as a way to stay uh, in touch with our audience um and to help them 
with uh, managing their feelings. And so we would share our self-care practices. So I do ask every everybody I interview, if you have a particular self-care practice, then would you share it with us? Absolutely. So um, I would be remiss if I didn't admit that during COVID and the isolation and the change and the just the drastic change, you know, for a lot of us, it had caused me to find my way to find peace in the moment and to calm my mind and to stay, you know, positive. Um, for myself, I have a, an adult son to be a good example for my husband's lady, you know, for, so I recently in the last year started um, more practices of mindfulness um, mm. in the morning. Um, I also take time to do yoga to slow down. I don't know if you can tell, but I do talk a mile a minute. Um, <laughs> and in person, there's like hands and there's just facial gestures and I'm very animated. So I try to take time to slow down um, and it's not easy, but I want to. I want to, cause there's a benefit to that. So I'll do yoga, mindfulness, and I make sure I exercise every day. That's a really, really important thing for my mind. I need to make time for myself and to be okay to stop everything else and make time for myself. So, um, those are the things I've been more diligent with in the past, maybe year and a half. So, and it, I love it and it's beneficial. That's awesome. Yep. So it's purposeful or planned self-care. Like it has to happen. And, um, it sounds like you're very, you know, skilled at making sure it's part of your daily life, which is really good to share. So um, I again want to thank you. I want to thank you for joining us. I really want to thank you for all the work you're doing in Ocean County. Um, we're really lucky to and blessed to have you have the partnership with you in Ocean Mental Health. Uh, and the people and the residents in the county are, are lucky for your leadership in this area. So thank you so much. Pam, I appreciate it. Thank you for always including us and working with you guys. It's a pleasure. It's a blessing to know you guys and be working alongside you. Thank you for joining us today on the Hope Sheds Light Rise with Hope podcast and the Recovery Speak series. If you are enjoying Rise with Hope, you can join us by subscribing on iTunes. The Recovery Speak series is supported by Monmouth Cares of Monmouth County and the Ocean County Health Department. We really want to hear from you. Please send in your comments, share your stories with us. Let us see how recovery is working in your life and in your communities. You can visit us at hopeshedslight.org. Have a great day and we'll see you next month. Thank you for listening to Rise with Hope.